This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Tech Talk Revolution. So I tell entrepreneurs, don't spend any time thinking about your idea. And they're like, what? I'm not supposed to think about my, like, like, it doesn't matter. Like pick a direction, an area you're interested in. And then the key to success is to spend 80% of your time in the beginning, finding the right people. Hi, I'm Johnny Kaplan, and you're listening to Tech Talk Revolution. Our world is changing faster than we know it. And the future is already here via hot new entrepreneurial startups from all over the globe. Their innovative thinking, technical wizardry are bringing us incredibly new technologies designed to make the world a better, safer, cleaner, and more exciting place. The life of an entrepreneur is always an adventurous one. Our next guest is a veteran of being an entrepreneur for many decades now. We meet with CEO and founder of Founders Space, Steve Hoffman. I'm here with Steve Hoffman, the CEO and founder of Founders Space. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great, thank you. Excellent. We could call you Captain Hoff, or really it should be Commander Hoff by now because you're really a veteran inside the, the startup uh, ecosystem, right? I've been doing this for decades. Indeed, indeed, like, like I have. And really that builds up a real understanding for various different areas. So tell us a little bit about how you got into, you know, into startups, into entrepreneurialism in the first place. Well, I like to say I have had more careers than cats have lives. It's been, my life has been crazy. I have tried everything from being a manga rewriter to a voice artist. I went to film school. I became a television development executive. Then I was designing games. And eventually I wound up producing my own games under my own company. And that was the beginning of becoming an entrepreneur. Right. Is that, is that what really gave you the buzz when you designed something for yourself that you could see this was your own creation? This was something that I brought into the world through my, just through my imagination. And that really give, gave you the buzz to kind of go create afterwards. That's right. So my, my original game company way back at the beginning of the internet was called Lava Mind. And we made a game actually about teaching people to become entrepreneurs. It was called Gazillionaire and Gazillionaire became extremely popular. It was, you know, it was all over the world, translated into many languages. So our, my first product was bootstrapped and became a big success. And I went on to produce a whole bunch of other games in the early days. And then after that, the internet came. So that was prior to the, the internet being a big thing. And when Netscape launched, I was like, this is going to be huge. So I got together with partners and we actually formed a company called Spider Dance, raised venture capital, a lot of venture capital. And I went through three venture funded startups. And then after that, I was like taking a break. And I started what I'm doing today, which is founder space. 
So that, that's really nice because you've intertwined your career with actually making a change, right? So you could have made uh, bubblegum games, right? That, you know, they're, they're bubblegum for the brain. You sit there, they're enjoyable, you play them, but they don't do anything. But you actually develop games, that things that you were passionate about, about being an entrepreneur. And obviously the success of that was attributed to how much desire there is to be entrepreneurial out in the market. So people would play the game. And of course, you're teaching them skills that could very well be impactful to, to the way that they operate in the future. Yes. So actually the games I made are really fun. So, because I love games, I'm a gamer. That's why my nickname is Captain Hoff. It's my right. gamer handle. <laughs> and that's where it came from. So the games, like we made a bunch of different business simulation games, Gazillionaires, Zapitalism, Profitania, and all of these games were designed to make being an entrepreneur fun while teaching you the essential elements. And they wound up being installed in hundreds of schools across the country and around the world. And literally we had millions of players. Some of, some of the schools were high schools, some were middle schools, but there were universities, big major universities using our games and big corporations. So it was really rewarding. Wow, I love that. And, and again, it's very much intertwined with our path because actually we announced a few months ago that Tech Talk is now being shown on the British curriculum with PwC to eight to 13 year olds because they find there is a gap between the females that want to get into the market compared to the males in a technology innovation interest. So they want to bridge that gap. So very much today, we're doing things that you were doing, you know, decades ago via a gaming platform. We're using, you know, television and things that, that, that you know, people are streaming much more often, but they're very much intertwined paths, right? You, you're teaching those entrepreneurial skills and very much bridges me to, to, to where we're going to talk to about today is founders, founders space is the fact that you've, you know, you've been doing this for, for decades and you're still doing it and you're finding new ways to do it and to give people that step up, that platform to really change their destiny. Yeah. So our mission at Founderspace has always been to empower entrepreneurs, you know, at every level from like what you're doing with very young entrepreneurs when they're in their very formative years and also disadvantaged groups, you know, like women, you know, they, they really have a hard time breaking in. It's kind of an old boys club here in Silicon Valley where I work. And then there are other, you know, disadvantaged communities, minorities, and others like that, that really need help just to get to an even playing field so they can compete. And at Founderspace, you, what we did was we started actually by bringing in entrepreneurs from all over the world to Silicon Valley. That was our mission and helping, you know, these entrepreneurs from Africa, from Asia, from, you know, all across Europe land here and start their businesses. And then because of our relationships, we started going global, like setting up operations all over the world. We have like over 50 partners in 22 countries. And now what Founder Space is doing is really our mission has changed. Our mission is now to bring Silicon Valley or really the knowledge and learning we have here globally to the rest of the world. Amazing. And, and on that note, I can see behind you a range of some of the books that you've authored, N not all in English, I see, right? So I can see that your literature and your education and your experience is really reaching out across the world. So tell us a little bit about some of the books that you've, you've, you've written. Okay, so my first book is not on here it, because it was a book on game design and it was very <laughs> popular. It was published by CMP, which, you know, runs the big game developers conference and has done really well. My second book is Make Elephants Fly. 
which is all about how the top entrepreneurs in the world innovate and how you can bring that knowledge into your company. And then my new book, which is being published by HarperCollins and is literally launching in a week. So it's on pre-order right now is surviving a startup. And that takes all the crazy stuff I've experienced myself in three venture funded startups and all the hundreds of entrepreneurs I've worked with, all those experiences they've had and what they've really learned and how they, you know, practical ways that they have busted through walls, overcome obstacles, you know, picked themselves up when it seemed hopeless and actually turned their companies around. That is surviving a startup. Success against all odds. So it's resilience, right? How to beat the odds, how to, how to break through all of those hurdles that, that certainly going to come before you. Whoever thought that building a startup was an easy path really chose the wrong business to get into. And it's really, it takes resilience. So absolutely. And, and, and that, that's very, very interesting to hear. So what, you know, can you tell us a couple of the insights into surviving a startup? Yeah, here's one right off the bat. So, well, first of all, most of us think doing a startup is easy. Like, you know, we read about it, all these unicorns, you know, every time you open a blog or paper, whatever it is, you hear like, oh, this unicorn made it seems so simple. Like you're destined to have it happen. And we all believe in our idea. So, but the problem is, you know, over 90% of startups fail. And even of the 10% that make it, just a fraction become these huge, enormous companies that everybody's talking. So uh, what I have learned is that most entrepreneurs start off backwards. They really, they start with the idea. They believe if I won't start a company until I have a brilliant idea. And they like, they just sit there spending huge amounts of time trying to think of that breakthrough idea. Well, honestly, Usually what a company starts with is not what winds up succeeding. You know, YouTube was, when they started, they were a video dating site. Yelp, when they started the review part, the reviewing other sites was a side feature. Like it wasn't even the core. Instagram started uh, with a whole nother app that was a failure over and over and over. Like you name the startup, their original idea wasn't the success. So I tell entrepreneurs, don't spend any time thinking about your idea. And they're like, what? (laughs) I'm not supposed to think about my, like, like, it doesn't matter. Like pick a direction, an area you're interested in. And then the key to success is to spend 80% of your time in the beginning, finding the right people. The people that do, that are really, really amazing and that have skill sets that you don't necessarily have. Like as a CEO, like your job isn't to do everything. Like one person never built a billion dollar company. It, it takes, you know, multiple people to do this. And if you start off with the wrong people at the beginning, you are almost destined to fail. Even if you are lucky enough to have the right idea because you won't implement it right. You won't execute right. So. Most people just end up bringing on board their friends or whoever they happen to know who's a programmer and they're mediocre. And what they end up with is a mediocre product and a mediocre company. And we all know mediocre fails. Like nobody needs a mediocre product. Like, you know, you just go on to the next one. You have to be the best. So that's my rule. Cool. So it's really uh, jump in the deep end, right? And, you know, don't sort of paddle about, try to get your balance, just go with it, jump in, start something. And, uh, you know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's something that that's always been part of my uh, secret sauce is just dive into a new area, right? And, and, and work it out as you go along and really wing it. Winging it is part of being an entrepreneur, right? It's not 
all set out in front of you. There is no, you know, secret plan, secret recipe. Actually, you know, most times your recipe doesn't work, as you said, right? The first product, the first implementation, uh, the first time you try it, if it does work, most likely you'll be the worst entrepreneur in the world because you wouldn't have learned anything. So actually it's better that you jump in and you fail, right? It's better that you, that you have a problem because then you will build the skills and the knowledge and the experience to overcome anything. Yes, and what you're saying is absolutely true. Here's another fallacy that entrepreneurs run into. They think they can have that brilliant idea the one that is a breakthrough that nobody's thought about in, in a vacuum, like just, it, it just comes to them like a flash and inspiration, but that's not the way it works. Really to make breakthroughs, you can't stop where everybody else has stopped. You have to go much deeper. And the only way to go beyond, to actually innovate, to create something out of nothing is to experiment, is to try lots of different things. This is why falling in love with your initial idea and sticking with it is almost a sure recipe for success because it doesn't matter how much you believe in it. It matters what happens when you take this idea put it into the real world and see how the world reacts to it. And through that interaction, that's where the brilliant insights actually come. They come from trial and error. It's, it's much like being a scientist, being an entrepreneur. You know, you're a scientist, you have a, a thesis, you know, you, you believe that, that something will happen, that this will be true, but you don't know until you run the experiment. And often right. you have to run thousands of experiments, each one learning incrementally more before you make that breakthrough. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about today what Founders Space does and the sorts of companies that you're incubating, the sorts of companies that you are hands-on nurturing rather than through uh, material education that you're clearly doing the other channels. What are you actually working on yourself? So we, as Founders Space, we are interested in all types of companies, but our core sweet spot is AI because Personally, I believe AI is one of those transformational technologies. It can be applied to almost any business in the world, literally any business or any process and actually make it better. You know, blockchain is very powerful, but blockchain is very narrow. Like there are certain things blockchain does really well. And there are other things, you, you know, you don't want a decentralized database, which is essentially what blockchain is, applied to a lot of problems because they need to be centralized. So there's a lot of things blockchain isn't right for. Now, AI though, you can literally, you know, every industry in the world is being transformed today. So we have put a lot into this. And, you know, two of our companies I'll talk about here, but we have so many, I can't talk about them all. But one is Chooch AI, which is really building a platform. And platforms is another thing I really like, a platform for AI applied to visualization technologies. So platforms are really important because a platform allows third parties to get on it and use it and they start contributing data. And data is the fuel of AI. So platforms are what you need to really gather the data, get all these parties on and make really valuable, intelligent solutions to problems. And then the second company I want to mention is called Ecubot. And they actually didn't start as a platform. They were applying AI simply to create the first AI powered ETF, exchange traded, you know, fund. And they were, since they were the first, they just took off and they had huge amounts of money pouring into this ETF, very successful. But to really build a global, you know, 
multi-billion dollar company, they needed to go beyond one ETF. So they took that core technology and made it a platform again, a platform for businesses, for insurance companies, for pension funds that want to invest. So not only can individuals do it, but all these companies can start using their platform and all that data they're gathering just makes it smarter and smarter over time. And those are the type of businesses we are looking to nurture because we believe at every point in time, there's going to be transformation, right? Technology is always advancing. Right now, we're seeing huge steps forward in AI, also in other areas like CRISPR gene editing, blockchain, you know, space tech. All of these are very exciting. And, but we tend to be mostly focused on software. Got it. So, and you're also focused on software, which really is, as you said, the future, which is the collection of data because data is really key within all of these software applications. The more data you have, the more you can churn through process, analyze and get better results. And the other one is to have these, as you said, these platforms where you can collect the data. So you've, you've got the shop open, right? You, you're able to get the customers in and then you're really storing that and using it in multiple different ways. And I think a lot of the, you know, a couple that you talked about are quite impactful in the marketplace. So I think what, what I've understood is that you, you started off your career as an aspiring entrepreneur, building these wonderful uh, products and services, and you did it in a way which was helping and benefiting others. You then went and wrote several books that really fueled another way to, to really channel all of your experiences and your thoughts to other people to help them. You then develop an incubator in Silicon Valley where you could actually seriously fund and invest in these companies and help them. And now you're still thinking to the future where you're thinking as what's the next technology that can do the same thing, but in a stronger, better, more impactful manner. And, and that really is AI. That is the amalgamation, the analysis of, of data, the processing, and of course, what choices you make and services you decide to do based on those decisions. Right. And the beauty of AI is it applies to everything out there. It applies to space travel. Like if we're going into space, everything, AI is going to play an enormous role to getting us to Mars and actually enabling humans to survive there. If you're doing gene editing, like CRISPR gene editing and creating new species of plants and animals, AI is fundamental to that. It really doesn't, it's not limited. That's why I like it. And the other thing about software that I am so fanatical about is that software is easy to get started. Like as an entrepreneur out there, you can get started with software with just your time. Like if you have the right team, if you have really good coders, like there's all the platforms are out there, AWS, all these cloud platforms, super cheap to start out with. And it can scale from a tiny business to a global business, literally in a matter of weeks. Like it's, it's that powerful. And the third area that I love about software is that like if you build a piece of hardware, people can buy it, but then it's just hardware. You lose the connection with them. Like there's no connection. But if that hardware has software in it or, you know, suddenly you can interact with your customer, you can have a relationship with your customer and more importantly, you can lock your customer in and you can upgrade it. You can keep giving them new goods and services built on this software that a hardware alone could never do. And over time, you can figure out how they don't just buy it once like a piece of hardware. They, because software, you can always be adding more features and deeper engagement. You can monetize them much more deeply. And as an investor, 
That is critical. As the former owners of Nokia will tell you, hardware quickly dates very quickly. And unless you jump on that bandwagon to continually update it, which is very, very expensive. And of course, you have to attract the customers again. And there's a whole logistics with that. Software really gives you that ability to evolve over time and adapt and really connect and fit with any hardware application that you want. And if that hardware adapts over time, you could build the software in such a way that it would be adaptive to to work with that hardware harmoniously. So tell us a little bit about the sorts of companies you're looking for at Spounder Space. You talk to us about the areas you're looking for. What kind of stage companies, what types of investments do you make? What types of criteria you're looking for so that all listeners can understand really, you know, if they're in, in the space, what, what you're looking for? What we're looking for is companies that can come to us at an early stage. So not at the very beginning when you just have an idea. Like I said, the idea is, is not the most important thing. When you have a really amazing team, like of people who could have been working for Facebook or Google or Microsoft that chose because they believe in your vision to work for nothing for you to try something out. When you have that team, you can have a prototype, you could have a beta version. It can be very early. It can be pre-launch or you could have launched already. That is the sweet spot for us. So we come in there and what we, what our goal is to do is to really, first of all, get you the capital you need and secondly, get you the support you need from mentors, both here in the U.S. and globally to actually grow that business. Do you have the sort of investment levels that you, you know, some, some range that you offer or is that something that's really on a case by case basis or is it that you invest from half a million to a million per company or, or, or is it case by case? So we don't have set numbers. So some people have set amounts. Ours depends on the company. So it, it's usually, you know, it can be as small as $10,000, like at the very beginning, you know, you know, usually up to a million would be the, where we cap out. But that's just our fund. We can bring in other funds. We work with literally hundreds of funds, every major fund in Silicon Valley, we partnered with in one way or another at some point in time. And then we have a lot of global funds, especially overseas, like in countries like China, we, there are enormous funds. So if you're like moving into those markets and want to launch, we can pair you up and we participate in those rounds, but often they are led by our partner funds, which tend to invest larger amounts. And that allows us to grow with the company. So we start with them early and then we can take them hopefully all the way to an acquisition or IPO. So it sounds like an amazing setup and you're certainly a veteran, as I originally said, in the startup space. And you understand clearly your attitude and your business processes are still entrepreneurial because you still provide a flexible offering and a flexible basis to people that you work with because you understand nothing is finite, nothing is set in stone. It's a startup market, right? Things are changing continually. So it's great, great to hear that. So really my last question is for you, what does the future hold? You know, where, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years from here if you've been successful in identifying those great, which sounds like you already have done, right? Identifying the right AI companies, you know, some people really changing up the future. Where, where do you see yourself? Where are your hopes to be in, in sort of five to 10 years from now? I see enormous changes on the horizon. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and you feel like, oh, I missed the boat, all the big ideas have been taken, you couldn't be more wrong. Actually, there will be more 
new ideas and new opportunities that are totally transformational to the world generated in the next decade than ever before in history. But I'll just tell you what's on the horizon, what I'm excited about. So one of the areas I'm really fascinated with is that's just beginning is brain computer interfaces. These, this technology can actually read your brain waves and through AI begin to interpret what you're thinking and even what you're visualizing in your head. And you can imagine that someday we may not need phones. In fact, having a phone or a laptop may seem so antiquated. It'll, it'll be like, you use phones in those days? Your grandkids will be told, that's crazy. We just think, and it happens. You know, we're connected to the internet. And there are other areas, gene editing. We have literally unlocked the source code to existence, to life, the source code to life. We can now construct with genes plants that never existed before. And we can create animals, and they're doing this, these hybrid animals that uh, literally never existed. Like they can be things that were out of fantasy books. They have a geep now, people don't realize it, but a geep is a goat and a sheep blended together. Their genes, and it, it, it literally has parts of goat and sheep. So, you know, Dr. Moreau's Island, that famous movie, that is coming to pass right now. And then the space tech, like it's huge area. Like there's, there's not just the rocket ships, which are sexy, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos building these huge rocket ships, but there's all the infrastructure and ecosystem of space. You know, how are people gonna survive there? How are we gonna communicate? How are we gonna transport food? What are the logistics like? Huge opportunities for entrepreneurs. There's nanotech and all these other areas. These are where we will be investing. Founder space is not static. We are always evolving. I am always fascinated by the latest technologies. And so I always gravitate towards like whatever, I never put on, I never say no to an entrepreneur. Like, you know, if they want to pitch me, they can pitch me and it, their idea will stand on its own. Even though I say I, we invest in AI, like that's our main focus. That's just our main focus. But we don't want to shut doors because one of those crazy ideas coming in may be the next big thing. You're absolutely right. And the one thing I look for on my team is passion and enthusiasm. And you've certainly got that in bundles because you've made me so excited. I want to literally get up off of my seat and go and build something right now. So I'm very much of the same mind. I see a massively changing technological future ahead. Lots of opportunities. You really just got to you know, get out there, jump in the deep end, as we were talking about earlier, and have a try. It's been wonderful talking to you, Captain Hoff. It really is the energy coming off of you is inspirational. I wish you the most success to continue in everything that you've been doing. We're excited to read your uh, book, Surviving a Startup, as it launches in the coming weeks. And we'll be certainly very excited to see some of the companies coming out of founder space and the success and the impact that's coming out of there. Thank you. I love your show and it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been wonderful talking to you and keep up the good work. Kudos to Steve for never giving up and ensuring his path as an entrepreneur has been a successful one. And now he's building the space and tools for others to get ahead. Can't wait to read his book and see what he comes up with next. In the next episode of Tech Talk Revolution, we meet with the real-life RoboCop, William Santana Lee, the CEO and founder of Nightscope. As always, I'm Johnny Kaplan, and Tech Talk Revolution is a co-production of Tech Talk Media and Electrocast Media. Executive producers are myself, Johnny Kaplan, Ronald Hans, Mark Netter, 
Peter Rafelson. Our producer is Rianne Faye Seninning, and our editor is Carl McCarthy. Stay tuned to Tech Talk Revolution for our next episode where we continue our journey meeting leaders of the world's most amazing startups, bringing you more incredible new technology from across the world. If you'd like to learn more about the startups we visited, please check out our show notes for additional information. For more info on the Tech Talk Media company, please visit our website at techtalkmedia.tv. You can subscribe to Tech Talk Revolution wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you can catch up on some of the amazing guests in our previous episodes as well. We greatly appreciate if you leave a wonderful rating or review. And please do share this podcast with your friends to let them know about Tech Talk Revolution. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast.